Do you wish that all things wealth and finance were much easier to understand and not presented by a bunch of beige cardigan-wearing geeks? Welcome to the Clever Investor Podcast, where we're dishing up the easiest-to-understand finance program served in bite-sized chunks, so your brain will thank you as your knowledge grows. Hosted by the brilliant Owen Taylor, a multiple award-winning expert with a glorious knack for explaining the complex world of wealth in the simplest of ways. Hello, Clever Investors, and welcome to another show. Well, it's quite topical at the moment with the the rise in the cost of living and it's very easy to look at the bottom line about how much money we probably haven't got left into the bank at the end of the pay slip. Invariably, there is always, I've seen this pattern happen before, where the the banks will start talking to people about combining all of their debts into one and, and instead of having, you know, all these car loans and and putting it all into one pot. And on the surface, it seems absolutely fantastic. Joining me in the podcast studio today, our guest is Peter Davis, who runs MoneyQuest Penrith in the mountains area, and also in Mackay as well, up in Queensland. How fantastic. And I'm putting the question to you today as well, that debt consolidation how good is it we should just roll everything into the mortgage yeah that's just the right thing to do if you think that that's a smart way to go about it but um thank you firstly for having me today owen and i appreciate you coming all the way out to the west in our office but yeah i think i agree with you debt consolidation is pretty topical at the moment and i think with the rising cost of living it's Uh, it's an easy option to be sold into that whole how do I save money week on week. The the short answer is ideally it just it comes down to your personal circumstances and what you're actually trying to achieve because rolling debt into mortgages what you need to understand is that whilst it's going to save you cash flow week on week it's the overall asset that you are paying interest on for you know if you're taking your mortgage out over another 30 years it's 30 years of interest so the car that you want to roll into your mortgage is not going to do the 30 year time so and the $30,000 loan that you are rolling in for that car is now going to cost you $60,000 because I guess what's really important for people to understand is that your mortgage is different to any other type of consumer debt And the mortgage, the interest on the mortgage is charged daily and charged back uh, in arrears at the end of the month. So when you're buying a personal loan, the interest on that is factored into that from the start and then the repayments are calculated into it. But that's not necessarily the same with your mortgage. So the consolidation that you're putting into there means that a $10,000 credit card that is already going to cost you probably you know 80 years before you pay it off <laughs> is even worse in a mortgage so that's the that's the real key to understand is making sure that you've got some structure around debt consolidation because you can absolutely use the equity in your home to help save on cash flow. What's important is, I guess, having a good conversation with your broker around what's the right structure if I've got the equity that's actually going to put us in the driving seat rather than behind the eight ball. I suppose this is where the term the false economy can come around by actually thinking that by having lower a total monthly repayment is not in the long term necessarily a good thing no definitely not it's but 
the important thing to know then, again, it's where I come back to what, what are your personal circumstances? Because as an example, if you have, maybe you've lost an income, maybe one of the, the, the family members is no longer working and you're really, really struggling. So it might be a bit of a short term option for you to roll it all into one and have that. I mean, we don't want people not being able to put food on the table to the family. So it, it really, whilst it's not ideal in nine out of 10 situations, it, you have to take your personal circumstances into account in what the right structure is for you. Now, it could be that even you just segregate the loans as different loan accounts and you might be that you put that in as a 30-year term but know well that that particular loan account, say the the consolidation one, is a separate split so you can throw your extra money at it. You don't have to take 30 years to pay it off. You could do that for the six months that it takes to get on top of things again and then it's money management as you would know Owen it's not it's never set and forget right and and where people fail is when you're not constantly abreast of managing your money and that's what's really important so you know, it's, it's horses for courses. It really comes down to what are your personal circumstances? What are you trying to achieve here? If you're saving on interest rate, absolutely. And you've got equity in your home, absolutely. Leverage off all of that. Get it into a cheaper interest rate if it is. Keep the same term. That's an option. What you're talking about then is utilising the split loan facilities that you can have, but it's not necessarily having it split half fixed and you know half variable as the, the atypical thing is. It's splitting it and having the the car loan that you might be rolling over. A part of the attraction is that it's instead of being fourteen percent, it's now you know five percent. Yeah. But keeping that. $40,000 amount as a as a separate loan and that's the one you're going to keep the repayment level at, at what you had before? Yeah. Options like so that. I'll give you an example. So say you own $300,000 on your mortgage and your house is worth, let's say, a typical, you know, $750,000 house. You've got $450,000 in equity available to you. You can't access all of that equity and and I guess it, probably another podcast for you would be about what is equity because I know people get really confused about that. But equity is not cash. It's important to remember that. But you do have equity there that you can access. Now, the bank will, depending on your affordability, but they will lend you or allow you to lend up to 80% of the value of that property. So in the case of a $750,000 value, you've got dollars and $150,000 in equity that you can't necessarily access. So your $300,000 debt means that you can afford to access some of that equity. I've lost all those numbers in my in my head now, so sorry about that, guys. I owe $300,000 to ABC Bank and I've got a $40,000 car loan with ABC Lender. What I want to do is roll my car loan over using the equity in my home. So I keep my $300,000 mortgage as a $300,000 mortgage. I now have a second mortgage with a balance of $40,000 and I reduce the term on that to the same term that I've got left on my car loan. But I'm no longer paying 12%, I'm paying 5%. 
So it just means that it can give you some cash back week on week if that's, again, part of the goal, or you could continue to pay, if it's affordable for you, the same amount that you're paying currently. But once you reduce that interest rate, all of a sudden you've cut your term by five years down to, say, three years, and you've saved yourself another two years of repayments. This is something that really is, um, it's not a one-size-fits-all. No, no. This is like experimenting with your broker on uh, and, and going through the different options. And I guess you've also got to be diligent in yourself about actually keeping, keeping up your own side of the bargain. That comes back to what I said about, you know, your finances should never be set and forget. I think one of the biggest issues that people have with mortgages in particular is that it's a 30-year term, so I'll worry about it in 30 years. And that's just, it's not... It's not the way you should look at it. If your broker's not ringing you doing reviews on your loan, you need to be ringing them and getting them to do a review because the bank's not going to do it. They love you paying the loyalty tax. And at the same time, that's when you can have a chat with your broker about, we have got this other debt. Our circumstances have changed. Is there another way that we can look at this and sit down, do a strategy session and come up with a solution that might work? I guess you've, you've hit the nail on the head there as well but and being an ex-broker myself I think the responsibility of a broker is actually to rattle the cage Uh, I used to call it rattling the cage with my clients as well and it's like I know you're busy I know you've got other things to do and you don't want another you know five minute conversation on the phone with me to do your annual review but if your broker's not doing that what should they do find a better broker Um, you that know. was a leading question I asked you then. That's the answer I wanted. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Because the important thing to remember is, you know, and I've even had it at the point where I've said to clients when we have chased them down and it's so hard to get them back in front of you, I get it. And then I sit down and I say, look at your rate. You need a better broker. One that's more forceful to do it. Because it's, it's important to remember we can't do it for you. Now, as evolution has moved on, banks have got better with allowing and some of them do have pricing tools that we can do. And if you're an existing customer of ours, we can do some pricings and make sure that um, that your rate's competitive. But your broker is also looking after many, many clients and some of, sometimes you can fall through the net. So my first thing would be give your broker a call. But if that broker is not responsive within 24 hours of you making that phone call, then get a broker who is. I thoroughly agree with that as well. And as well, listeners, if your broker is leaving you messages, call them back. Yes, They're please. doing it for the right reason. I will guarantee, I will guarantee that nobody ever gets a phone call from their bank saying, do you know you're paying too much interest? <laughs> no, could you imagine? <laughs> Do you know there's a better deal over here, which is actually more beneficial for you in the future and not just for the bank? And that's that's the difference then with the planning of this. It's, yeah, it's and I think that leads into then the, the regulation change that brokers had to go through in the last kind of, well, it was pre-COVID and who knows, I mean, COVID's messed up all everybody's timelines. But pre-COVID, we went through some regulation change and brokers now have to adhere to the best interest duty, which the banks don't. And that is that we are held accountable to make sure that we are acting in your best interest. So it doesn't always mean refinancing to another lender, but we want to make sure that you're 
your rate is competitive because most of us brokers work off a referral model and we want to look after our clients because then you're going to spruik our name to your friends and family who you trust to come and use our services as well. So it's it, if your broker is calling and leaving a message, it's not just about a sale, it's about looking after you. So call them back. It's also as well, I had this conversation with a good friend of mine the other week that rang and said, I've got to buy a new car. Um, how should I do it? Should I I take that I've got money in redraw or do you know should I get another uh, you know a separate loan against the home do I go and get a, a lease for the car I think he's like I don't know what to do and I went well you've done the right thing you're talking to a, a finance expert and he's going to go and get an evaded lease on the car because of his his work situation See, and he's like oh I was just going to pull it out mm. of the mortgage I'm like well you then you're paying extra so a simple five minute conversation yeah. we got to come up with the strategy that's right for you that's the key so we're in that particular case it could have been take the redraw because you know what you can't afford to get the car any other way and that money's there for you do it as a separate split because you've got the equity and while we're there let's have a review of your home loan and make sure it's as competitive as it can be or C hang on there's other tax perks now we're not accountants we can't give you advice on that but have you considered this speak to someone who can tell you what the right option is if we roll everything into one and somebody's going for then but they're going to buy an investment property or something does that look better on paper than if if i've got a personal loan or if i've got debt on my credit card i guess the answer to that's no it, again it's it's all tailored isn't it to what's what suits a person so you could have a large amount of equity in your home and therefore and be able to use that to purchase an investment property. But you might find that you've got a personal loan that is holding back your borrowing capacity because there's always two prongs to your lending question. How much can I afford to repay versus how much equity or deposit do I have? And that's where it's, that's the juggling act there. And again, if you've got a good broker behind you, they will work with, do you know what? If we keep things the way they are, yeah, buying an investment property is not affordable on paper for you at this time. But if we jiggle this around and we do this creative structuring, which doesn't mean that you're going into more debt or doesn't mean that you're going into a a worse situation, but if it enables you to start creating wealth sooner, then to me, that kind of makes a bit of sense. So it all comes down to reviewing, reviewing what you've got. Not, it's not set and forget. Never. Right. Gone, gone are those days. I think they say that the average loan term used to be seven years, like before someone would look at refinancing. And I think that refinance word gets a bad rap because refinancing doesn't mean a new loan over another 30 years. Reviewing is where we really need to focus that language around reviewing what you've got and then making sure that it's putting you in a better position. I know that when you speak to your clients, you do actually use the term review rather than refinance. Yeah. In the industry, when I started in the industry, it used to be known as churning. And the extra paperwork you spoke about that's that's come on board in the last, you know, 12 months or so where the broker has to show that this is a benefit to you. That didn't exist in the in the early 2000s when I started into lending and churning was fantastic for brokers. Yeah. Right? Because they just got, you know, they just got a new commission on things now. So I was actually, uh, much as I don't like extra paperwork, I was happy that something like that actually came on board. I do think it's disgusting that the banks don't have to go through this. Yeah. Mm. I think good brokers were always doing it anyway. I, I thoroughly agree. Um, so it didn't necessarily, the extra paperwork is is 
tiresome for us. But we were always looking after our best interests, our clients' best interests anyway. But, yeah, I, I definitely think that um, it's become a little bit onerous, but it's the fact that it gives the broker a real differentiation to a bank to pay loyalty tax. Like I think you touched on it before, you know, if anyone's bank is ringing them to say, here's a better opportunity, uh, please uh, introduce them to us because we, we, <laughs> we would love to actually introduce that bank to our clients because if the clients then got two people going into bat for them to make sure their rate's competitive, do you know what? It's, it's a great conversation. I'd love to hear from anybody yeah. who's actually had their own bank or their any lending institution that's... And that it's important to note that this up front, that conversation up front, not once you've put in a discharge authority and your broker's found you a better option and the bank then decides, oh, maybe we do want to retain this client. That's really, really frustrating for us brokers. But again, sometimes it's in your best interest to stay with that bank again, but it's it's concerning that it has to take that length of time and that amount of paperwork before a bank actually stands up and says, you know what, you're a quality client, we don't want to lose. Yes, that's when the uh, every single lender in the land, banks, you know, credit unions, building societies, all have a retention team. And uh, once they once they see that uh, discharge form come in, they will they will pretend that they're your best friend yep. in the world, and that and that's that's part of then the due diligence from the broking world and the the research and planning that's gone in beforehand that you're 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 making this next step for all the right reasons. And I just want to cap on that statement about all the right reasons because I had an incident during COVID which I think is a great example for people to understand. So I had a client who had spoken to their bank about changing, just changing from a, their, their loan or getting a better rate on their loan or something like that. And what happened was the bank suggested to this client that they fix their loan and this was all came at the expense of when the new loan was put in place that discharge authority that you spoke of the retention team kicked in and tried to retain the customer but what happened there was that all the bank did was offer the client a fixed rate loan they had done zero conversation around what the goals and objectives of that client was in the process of this refinancing so if my my client didn't have a good relationship with me as the broker, they may have gone down that road. But the broker wanted, uh, sorry, the client wanted more money to do something. That conversation wasn't being had with them at the time. And a fixed rate loan was not the right option for that client at that time either. So the retention staff are not equipped to have a proper conversation with you. They are there purely to retain you as a client and not act in your best interest and not necessarily give you what you want. So take that information back to your broker and make sure because like I said we're not in the business of tuning if it is the right option and they do offer you a better deal and it's worth you staying you should stay but make sure it meets your goals and objectives first. I'm sitting here laughing while you said that because <laughs> I've seen that happen so many yeah. times over the years and I'm going to bank bash a bit here those people on the end of the phone lovely as they are they don't have the full picture and they're not qualified as well to actually make that kind of stuff they're put into a position to quite rightly so because banks are running a business to try and retain you as a, as a customer and best 
best fit you that they can. So yeah. yeah, thank you so much for for all of that. I'll be I'll be back again. We've got more. You've actually opened up a few more questions uh, that I want to talk be, to you about. Because too, so. you know what, it comes back to it, doesn't it? It's always, you know, it's got to be tailored. There is there are so many ways you can skin a cat for a better <laughs> you know better scenario. And talking about pets, you are a listener that walks the dog and listens to the podcast. Hundred percent. My first podcast that I listened to was whilst I was walking the dogs and then got an email from Owen as a coincidence after that saying when you're listening to the podcast and you're walking the dog and I'm like oh my god that was me that is me (laughs) so I hope you've enjoyed this podcast while you're all walking your dog actually give us a little plug about the business okay so um, again my name's Peter Davies and I do have the Money Quest Penrith Blue Mountains and Mackay franchises I've been lending now for we celebrated our 20th year last year in lending which is very exciting I'm the key broker here but I've got a great support staff and team around me to help us get those submissions in and get approvals done as quickly as possible I guess just a little bit of a plug for us when last year when we launched our 20 year birthday we also launched a charity initiative which is where we're giving back for 20 months $20,000 which is $1,000 per month to charities that are close to our heart so whether that's um, relating to women in not a great financial position it's our local community it's the homeless there's a whole range of things so if, if you would like to help support us in our quest to raise the the money I'll put a plug in the socials about that and the link on all of this because I was invited to the launch of it I feel very special about that and I think it's a wonderful initiative, absolutely wonderful. So, yeah, I'll give you an extra plug for that too. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us today on the Clever Investor Podcast, and we'll see you next week. You have been listening to the Clever Investor Podcast, proudly sponsored this week by Blue Wealth Property. Are you ready to start a new investment journey? Get in touch with the industry leaders. Blue Wealth Property. Blue Wealth have a proven track record in using research to identify growth markets. And Blue Wealth have supported thousands of Australians to buy the right property in the right market at the right time. Go to bluewealth.com.au.